When a woman tells a man about her feelings, she doesn't want him to fix her. She wants him to shut up and listen. We have a bulletin board. Snack machine. Yeah, I don't think he's luring them with pretzels. We could call it murder. If the profile was Charles Darwin's theory of natural selection, we could arrest the piece of coral, I guess. Ladies, this is Brad, a real FBI agent. Really? Really. No way. Mm -hmm. Oh, do you have to carry your gun and badge with you everywhere you go? Affirmative. Can we see it? See what? Your badge. Please. I'm sorry, that's... Classified. Tell me, Brad, does it look anything like this? A little credit. I've talked the guns out of hands of psychopaths. I can handle one kook who hired a lawyer. I'm a nerd. Like, seriously. And I can fool people for days, weeks even. But sooner or later, I blow my cover and I say something so geeky. Mmm. Use your words, Emily. Uh, there's always something about the first in anything. Oh, oh, God. So sorry, Emily. What was that? Don't you recognize a rocket when you see one? I, I was merely demonstrating a physics law. I, I didn't need it. Oh, show me. All right. Uh, turn around. Turn around. Yeah, he's not going to show you how it's done. The magician doesn't reveal his secrets. I thought you said it was physics. It's like when the lion preys upon Emily. You lost me. <laughs> well, that's because you, Emily Princess, had never been one of the antelope. <laughs> oh, scratch that. You totally lost me. Nice. I played a little strong safety in college. No idea what that means. I've got a Glock leveled at your crotch. What's to stop me from taking you and the little ones out right now? This is Killer Casting, and I am Lisa Zambetti. I'm a casting director in Los Angeles, California, probably best known for my work on the long-running CBS show, Criminal Minds, where I cast victims and villains and psychopaths and FBI agents and everything under the sun. And today's a very special day for me. I'm so excited. You guys are going to fucking freak out when you hear who is on with me today. But before we say hello to our very special guest, please say hello to my sexy beast. Bye, bye. What's up? Glad to be here. And Dean, this is super early for Dean. Poor Dean. <laughs> well, it's not super early. I mean, it's it's 0700. It's not like I'm up at 0400. Let's not put too much on it. But yes, it is just daybreak here on a nice crisp day in Melbourne. And I'm happy to be on the pod with all of you guys. All right. And now we have our very special guest. My name is Paget Brewster. Uh, you might know me from the long running criminal crime drama. Uh-huh. Uh, where I played Emily Prentice, Criminal Minds. And thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. Oh my gosh. Thank you for coming on, Peggy. We were kind of bumbling around trying to think what we're going to talk about, but we could talk about so many things. We could talk about what you've been doing since Criminal Minds. Tell us what you've been doing. Sure, I will. Obviously, I know Lisa from Criminal Minds for years. And she asked me if I would do the podcast. And I was like, yes. And she said it was about casting. Do you watch the mayor of East... <laughs> East, East Town? Yes. And I was like, no, I'm not into it. 
uh, to be honest, I auditioned for it and I didn't get it. And I get didn't the deserve fuck. it. No. I, I shouldn't lying. have gotten it. I shouldn't have got It's the lady whose daughter is missing and she's going through chemotherapy. I'm not oh. ready for that. And oh. it's great. They're great, but I'm still hurt. So I'm not watching Mary. <laughs> I'll get to it. I'll get, it's apparently everyone loves it. And then, so then we were talking about, oh, I only watch cooking shows. And you mm. said, okay, we can talk about cooking shows. And then I listened to your podcast and I was like, no, they're going to hate me. Brian and Dean aren't, aren't going to want to talk about Top Chef. And you just did a great show about the Stanley Tucci show Aww. on CNN. Thank and you. And about Anthony Bourdain. And you guys were so knowledgeable and thought-provoking. And it was a really enjoyable show. So we can't talk about cooking shows. Oh, my God. I got it, no, I got it on the list. We're going to absolutely talk about it. I got a hot sports take. And I have a confession. I've had a come to Jesus moment about certain cooking shows and oh. having bagged the reality shows. I have a, a funny story to tell you and expand upon on, on okay. that. So we can well, certainly so it's, so it's on the list. Finish your thought here. So you're not going to talk about cooking shows. What are you going to talk about then? I'm going to talk about what your sexy beast co-guests, I mean, your hosts just brought up. I have nothing to say. You go. I want to hear what Wait, you guys have. I, I want to walk this back for a second. You had to audition? For Mara Beeston? Really? Well, and I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, because I, I, right, I don't think you're right for that role. I, I don't think you're right oh, for that role. I don't think I was at all either, but I prefer to audition. I'm not a fan mm, of the offer the unless offer, I've yeah. worked with you before. Exactly. Because exactly. I don't think it's fair. If I was directing or executive producing or casting a show, I would want to see that person. Yeah. So I have friends who are vehemently offer only. Oh, yeah. That's, that's not how I prefer. I would rather do what I'm going to do and hire me because you like what I'm doing or don't hire me. But I think that's so smart because then you're going to be able to play things that you've never played before because you're going to be able to show them what you can do. And the only reason I say that I don't think that that would have been a greatest fit for you because there's another role that Julianne Nicholson is playing. Of Bingo, that's exactly Really, really yeah. complicated character who's kind of the best friend of Kate Winslet. I mean, you could have done Kate Winslet's part no, too, but you've already, paid, you've already paid that. You've already played the detective and all that stuff. So, right. but the other role is so much more complex. That's where I would have put you but anyway i think julia nicholson was already cast and that's why i was so mm. interested in auditioning for it because i knew i wasn't right for that part but usually what i do is and again please correct me if i'm doing the wrong thing you guys are professionals i need your <laughs> professional opinion what i will do is now everyone's putting themselves on tape mm. audition for something even if i feel i'm wrong for mm -hmm. it or it's not my i'm not great at crying all the time i'm not it's just not my bag but I'll audition for something so I can be in the room and then say, hey, I don't know if you've seen anyone for Nosy Neighbor number four, right. but I really love her. And I'll try to. But also yeah. then you never know where that's going to go. Like then the next thing David Fincher is doing, maybe he'll put you. It doesn't yeah. hurt to well, do and, that, I don't think. What do you and think? I, and I'll defer to you, Lisa. When I hear somebody's offer only, I feel like with the current climate, a lot of times that eliminates people because there's so much at stake financially that unless people are willing to show what they can do, even if they're a known commodity, there are people in decision-making roles who aren't willing to take that risk because of the financial investment being made in these television shows. But also some directors don't watch everything. We may know who somebody is, but the directors like Goobler, he only watches German esoteric soap operas i don't know what he watches but it's, <laughs> yeah. anyway what have you been doing since criminal minds by uh, the by well the last thing i shot in person 
was I played Tallulah Bankhead on Hollywood, the Ryan Murphy right. Netflix show, which was, and I'd never done one of his productions and it's a trip. Oh yeah, I worked for him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Cool. cool. So I did that and then lockdown, I don't remember if I did anything on camera after that. And so since we went, since March 11th, but I started in February, I've just been doing animation voiceover and narration. Right, and my right. husband's a composer, so we have a studio here and we built a vocal booth inside the studio. Then we had one made. That's how we've been yeah. built is all animation, which I was lucky enough to be doing before the pandemic mm -hmm. hit. Mm -hmm. but yeah, you've mm. done a lot. You've done a lot. Yeah, of, yeah. Most people I, I saw that, that on on your IMDP page when I was stalking you on there, Paget, prior to this, because I don't know you, but I was looking, I was like, oh, wow, Bojack Horseman and uh, American Dad and a whole lot of stuff. So, yeah. I really appreciate that, Dean, and I'm, it's my fault that you're up early. And I, listen, usually this time, I'm taking a nap at two. This is for you. I love you, Lisa. But I stop doing everything at four mm -hmm. and start cooking and watching cooking shows okay, and yes, yes. white wine with ice. Okay, so what you don't know is that I used to work for the actor studio for James Lipton. Do you remember the inside for oh, that? Yes. So I used to teach for the actor studio and I used to go to those tapings all the time and he was my boss. And so I am very familiar with the Bernard Pivot questionnaire, you know, that he would always have. So I have my own version of that that I wanted to talk to you about. So what number one, what is your favorite cooking show and why? It's Top Chef, Top Chef Masters. Did you watch and last night? Did you? I mean, I just watched Restaurant no, Wars. Did you? No, I haven't watched it yet because okay. that's. I'm going to start watching that at ex at four o'clock okay. on the dot today. Okay. But I'm also on season eight, episode three. I've watched all seventeen seasons. Ooh. I'm now on my fifth time all the way through. Get the fuck! Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, no, I god. I know everyone, and I love it. And are you going to shoot yourself? Brian's going to shoot himself in the head. He's shooting himself. I knew you'd hate this. Here's the thing. This is where my tastes go in terms of cooking shows. And it is in the PBS world. I think I've said on the show, like, this old house is the DIY that I love because you see them literally put down the adhesive. It's such a boring, slow pace. There's no ticking time mm. clock, no sense of danger. It's just, we're renovating this house and they use all of these great methods. And the same thing with the PBS cooking shows, my favorite cooking show of all time. And I was lucky enough to be sitting on a bus stop bench in Chicago in Bucktown when this chef walked by me with his wife. Mexico, one plate at a time. Yes. Rick Bayless. Rick Bayless. Don't you, he want, is a, you know he him? Is a, he is a Chicago guy. And he's got this high-end, authentic Mexican restaurant in Chicago. And then he's got a Frontera, which is his kind of chain concept. And he is, since he was a teenager, has been traveling to Mexico, knows fluent Spanish, knows the regions, knows the different recipes. Look him up. Mexico, no, one plate know, at a time. No, I know who he is. Yeah. He's on Top Chef, he's he's on on Top Chef Masters. Yeah, Rick yeah. Bayless. And he's him. super excitable and extremely chilly knowledgeable. He's usually a guest judge for quickfire challenges. And I love that. I have not seen that show. And I should, as opposed to watching Top Chef in its entirety over 17 years, watching it within a year over and over again is ridiculous. So I'm going to have to... Uh... Another PBS, the Franklin Barbecue guy out of Austin, he's got a show. Simply Ming was one of the... It's just one of the, that kind of Julia Child's kind of standard. I love the... And I wish Food Network had more of those 
specific styles of show. They used to. That's what I mean. They used to. And used now... to. Yeah. And, uh, talked about it a lot, about how he felt like they were they were the devil. And they, oh, had yeah. got, they had made a very successful empire by satisfying the lowest common denominator, which is they put music to a competition of chefs and you're not getting a long form introduction to who people are and what they believe and how they became the chefs they are and yeah. why they're making this dish and it is totally different i have the julia child boston i have them on vhs which oh. i have to i have to convert to dvd <laughs> like they're not available so it completely you're a purist and i respect it and that would probably be easier to cook to because the reason yeah. why I watch them is I'm listening more than watching yeah. while I'm cooking. But it's the same music. I understand why it's successful and I understand why for a purist, it's atrocious. Yeah, but I don't care. I go both ways. I love my Jacques Pepin, but then, oh, okay. Salad. Pepin. I love how you said salad. Uh, thumbs salad. up or down. What are, what's your opinion of Richard Blaze? <sighs> well, listen, he's a great TV character. You can yep. admit that. Oh yeah. We've watched we've watched his weight and hair fluctuate. <laughs> he's a character. I, I think he's I think he's become a more, as hopefully we all do as we get older, a more thoughtful, yeah, generous team player kind of guy. Yeah. I agree. I agree. He's just such a crazy cuckoo. So I was going to tell Padgett, you guys, that I had back when I was an actor in New York, I auditioned for the Food Network because <laughs> so Bobby Flay is a big New York City chef. And at the time he was I mean, everybody in New York knew who he was, but he wasn't that well known nationally. So he was getting his first show. I forget what it was called. Cooking with Bobby Flay or whatever. And they wanted him to have a sidekick. I have no idea why, but they wanted somebody to sit next to him and go, oh, what you making there, Bobby? Like, mm, is that a tomatillo or, you know, whatever. And so I auditioned and I got through the first part. Great. Because they're like, okay, what do you like to cook? And I talked about totally the carbonara, blah, blah, blah. And then the second part was, okay, tell us a story of something that really shocked you. So the only thing I could think of was when I was jogging in Riverside Park and a guy jumped out of the bushes totally naked with his underwear on his head, jerking off. Oh, and I just that's the first thing I could think of. <laughs> and so that's that's the weirdest thing. Isn't that isn't that the how you met your husband story? Aren't you mixing up? With, no, the, this no, is sorry. bizarre. Lisa, I have a very similar story. I that's uh oh, wait a minute. <laughs> No, I swear in the park. No, 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 no. I swear to God. No, I swear to God. I'll tell it later. No, tell it now. Okay. So I was driving to Louisiana Tech from, I lived in Texas. I was driving to Louisiana Tech. I was interviewing for the theater school there. And I'm driving and I, it's 10. You take 10 all the way through or whatever. And I stop off just outside of Shreveport to get gas. Got back in my car. I'm going to the access road to get back on the highway. There's an 18 wheeler parked right on the side there on the access, right? On the ramp. And there's a guy standing on the sideboard, literally standing facing the highway. And he's got his shirt and it's open and he's wearing his boots and nothing else. And he's jerking off. And I drove under him and I was just like, what the, <laughs> the most bizarre, he must have been completely methed out or whatever. And at that point I realized, yes, I am not in Kansas anymore. This is, yeah. this is the strangest place. And I wasn't even in the weirdest part of it, but <laughs> oh my God, it was, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, needless to say, I did not get the role as Bobby Flay's. Hold on. Side. Did they say, they must have said to you, Lisa, we love you. <laughs> 
We're going another way, but just for future reference, it's the masturbation. That's what crossed the line for us. <laughs> oh, that's the line. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyway, needless to say, I, uh, yeah, stopped acting shortly thereafter. But anyway, yeah, so I love Nigella Lawson, Jamie Oliver, British Baking Show. How, how do you feel about British Baking Show? I don't bake. I don't care. I don't care anything about oh. sugar or meringues or oh. sticky toffee pudding. Oh. I don't care about baking gotcha. in any way. Okay, we'll do a, an air high five on that one, Paget, because I actually do all the cooking in the house. I cook all the dinners, but I don't bake at all, at all. Now, that said, my kids and April, my wife, became obsessed with British Bake Off and mm-hmm. the great British Bake Off. And even though I wasn't into it, I'd be sitting, you know, the, the leather chair on the laptop or doing something and it was on. And I'd be doing my thing, but then I'm looking up going, I'm not interested. Oh. oh, Yeah, it gets sucks you in, man. How are they going to – that's not going to happen in five minutes. I'm just drawn into it. And so on that last show with Batucci, I said I hated the sort of reality version of the shows like that and the competition aspects, but that one got me in. Padgett, what's your favorite dish to cook? Oh, I've tried uh, Recipe Roulette. There was an app. I didn't like it. So I would keep a bunch of uh, food and wine and Bon Appetit magazines in the car and just flip and point and try to go into the supermarket to get that. My husband is from Michigan and not a fan of experimental (laughs) cooking. So I've pared down. Now that we're able to go to restaurants, we can go actually get Vietnamese Mm -hmm. and and Thai and Korean. And that's really, I I never had any business trying to learn how to cook that. But I feel like Brian is being held hostage and I can't, I can't stand it. Oh, no, no, no. We'll, we'll pivot. We'll pivot. Not Let's, at all. I love it. <laughs> okay. Here's another thing I want to talk to you about. Hair. Okay. Yeah. All right. So on Criminal Minds, you came back from hiatus one season. I don't remember what it was. And you had cut your hair. No. 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 That's not what happened? No. I asked Erica Messer, our mm-hmm. showrunner, before we went on hiatus How would you feel since Prentice looks like she's wearing a wig all the time anyway, and this show is ending, would you mind if I cut my hair and grew out my gray and I'll wear a wig? And she was like, I have no problem with that. Mm -hmm. So then we went and did a bunch of wig fittings and photographs and everything, and she picked the wig she wanted. Uh And I started wearing that wig before we went on hiatus. Uh Then stripped all, I had been dyeing my hair black on the weekends since 1995 i mean i was i was dying it mm-hmm. with clairol nice yeah, and easy yeah, yeah. whatever and it just gets darker and darker and darker because i just can't sit in a salon i can't stand it cost too much money i won't have it i didn't want to charge production i just didn't like the whole thing so erica said no problem you can wear a wig in the last year of the show i wore a wig while my gray hair grew out right right and <laughs> so now it's all like five or six different colors but I'm curious what you think as in casting, because I was told by a lot, I did audition for things and the casting director told my agent, she has to dye her hair again. She cannot audition with gray hair. No, I, 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 with gray hair. I, I'm the worst person to ask about that because I just think that's bullshit. And especially, I guess what we heard that you had done this over hiatus and you came back and they had put it away. That's okay. But no, anyway, I would I, never I, do that. I would oh, never yeah, do I that. But I saw you with your hair and it was so cute. 
And I'm like, why couldn't you just wear it? But hair is a really big thing to audiences and to the character. And I remember Joe Montagna was on with us a few months ago and, and it was a really big deal when they stopped dyeing his hair dark brown and he yeah. they had to write it into the script why he was being allowed to go gray. Yeah. Did you feel that pressure? Like you couldn't change Emily Prentice's look? No, I didn't feel the pressure at all because I wasn't changing Emily Prentice's look. I wore the same wig. I have it in the closet. It's it looks exactly like what my hair was. Right. Um, so I never changed Emily Prentice at all. It was asking production saying, hey, listen, this show is coming to a close. Yeah, we know. May I get ready for what the, I'm 52 now. I really thought with the black bangs and long hair, I was starting to look like one of those, what were those, they're like headhunter dolls and they're all women, uh, but they have black. Uh, you mean you know, like fucking heads? Yeah, I thought I'm beginning to look like that. I'm looking no. like one of those ladies that's dying their hair past their prime and she, uh, she just needs to stop. No, I don't think you look like that. But anyway, no, I'm a big fan of natural looking hair because as you say, I think you don't want to look like you are wearing a wig and I think your hair looks beautiful right now. And the question everybody is asking is, is Criminal Minds coming back? And even if I, I don't know anything, but even if we did know, we couldn't say, but if it did come back, I don't see why you can't have this hair. Oh, no. Yeah. And I've talked to Erica about it and she thinks that that would be great because there would be a slight difference. Wait, which one of you was it? Dean, did you say you said in the podcast last week you thought Criminal Minds should have had one bad guy that last. Oh, that was oh, that was Brian. Brian. That's what they were talking about doing when we started talking about mm. Criminal Minds being made as a paramount plus show oh wow yeah their their idea is unfortunately because it's owned by so many companies yeah it's not like fox for fox it's not yeah, yeah yeah disney for abc it's owned by a lot of companies and they're arguing over who owns what mm-hmm. and and so as far as I know negotiations have stalled and mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we're moving for I mean no one's heard anything for for a couple of weeks so right I know Jim Clementi and I are just like have you heard anything no have you have you of course we would love to do it again but and the thing that Brian was saying about one big bad guy sometimes that works well but some shows have tried that and it it just depends on how it all comes together. My point, I, I think that we have been steeped for so long culturally in serial killers and FBI with reality television or reading nonfiction that I think that if you do it right, people will go along with you. That it doesn't have to be this artificial, 24 was terrible about this, the roller coaster of every episode that mm-hmm. made 24 hours really unnatural where you had... Ascending action, then down, then up at the end of the episode. And it's just, oh, and when do they go to the bathroom? Are they going to eat ever? All of that. That's just my take on it. I think you were absolutely right. And the fact of the matter is Criminal Minds is a successful show and it's doing well in syndication and it does well on streaming. But there are at the very most about 33 serial killers operating in the United States at any time. So the fact that one got popped every week just on our show and on every show, (laughs) there were, it gives you the impression that every other person is a serial killer. Clearly there are five in your neighborhood. (laughs) In my building. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know where your building is. <laughs> Melrose and Vine. So yeah, it's a real dicey kind of area. Love two. Um, oh, okay. you know, but the FBI does genuinely work cases for months and years. And yeah. it's not a 24 hour, this guy's devolving. Again, that format works for that show. But I think the idea of going to Paramount Plus and doing a, a streaming version of Criminal Minds was going to be, we don't need ad breaks. We don't need to deal with censors. Uh, we can, everything that had oh, to be yeah. cut, everything that had to be cut out of episodes to fit into 41 minutes and 35 seconds mm -hmm. would go back into the show. So the building of characters and the discovery of history or evidence or relationships that can happen in a streaming platform that couldn't happen with the way that that show was set up and the way that it, it was successful. Right. So your idea of one bad guy, that's exactly what they were going to do and ho and hopefully what we will do Knock on wood. if it yeah, comes that was, back together that, that i would a, like everyone to have their jobs i know right mm -hmm. but that it was is a good observation brian I, and you made me think that one of the earliest shows that i saw that in was one of my favorite directors is michael mann who of course originally got famous for miami vice but the first big thing he did after that was a extended series called crime story starring dennis farina yeah did you ever yeah which was really I mean, similarly. It was a period piece in the fifties around the mafia. That's really? right. Yeah. And yeah. then they were, they were chasing one big bad guy. There was one bad guy in it and Dennis and his team were, were chasing him and it evolved over that. It wasn't quite as super stylized as Miami Vice, but it was, it's an eighties esque kind of thing, but that was, but you made me think of that. And I, I really enjoyed that. And it was completely different to the Miami Vice where everything was wrapped up pretty much. Well, well and talking on the Tucci episode, the series that I remember seeing Tucci on the first time, Wise Guy, mm. on CBS. They would have yep. longer story arcs that would tackle one criminal enterprise. And the one that Tucci was in was about the garment district in New York. And it had Ron Silver and Jerry Lewis as the patriarch, Stanley Tucci as the bad guy. William Russ was a recurring guest on one of the storylines. I mean, it really sophisticated storytelling considering it was mid eighties on CBS. Mm. Well, it's, yeah. a, it's a tricky business, isn't it, Padgett? Yeah. Because we want to maintain what made Criminal Minds so successful. We want that recipe, yet you do want to be able to do new things. And our fans are passionate yeah, <laughs> about yeah. the show. Woo! And they don't want things to change too much. But then you want it to be fresh and and not, I don't know, you have to try something new. So it'll be interesting to see. But if anybody can do it, Erica Messer can. can yeah, and I believe me, I hope it comes together. We're all in a holding pattern, hoping to get good news. Yeah. Well, okay, so let me just pivot a couple more things I want to talk to you about. We had um, this casting director who's been around forever, Marcy Leroff, on. She cast E.T. and Mean Girls and St. Elmo's Fire and all these great. But now she's become an intimacy coordinator. Do you know what that oh, is? Geez. You know what that is? I wanted to ask yeah. about that because I remember being in a chemistry read where we were trying to find Emily Prentice's love interest. And we had a chemistry read and we had some really great actors come in and do a scene with you. And one of the scenes turns into a love scene where you kiss. And I was so impressed with you that. You were just like, yeah, you all are not just going to kiss me like it's a handshake. I just was amazed at that. That you. What just did I say? I don't even remember. Was I supposed to kiss them? Yeah, I think at the end of the scene, I forget now. It's like there were two scenes and then the second scene, like you're getting kind of lovey-dovey and they go in for the clutch. And I just remember you just going. Mm. 
<laughs> wanting to kiss you and you're like, ah. <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't just assume that oh, you know, would- but I don't blame them. I also understand they're going for the gig and they're doing what's written. And I hope I didn't offend. No, anybody. no. Think- Here's no. the thing. Honestly, I'm afraid of getting herpes. I don't, I would like to kiss as few people as possible. I can't believe I don't already have it. That's the thing. I've already kissed enough people. So I don't kiss in auditions. I'm going to turn beet red. If you get the job, now I got a couple of days to watch your lips and see if anything. Like, I just, I'm so scared of getting herpes. So we so just gone through COVID. You live in California, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And and your biggest fear is getting a kissing cold sore. Oh, that's that's hilarious. Well, that's yeah, a big deal. It lasts think... forever and you can then I give it to my husband and then it becomes genital. I don't know. I don't need to kiss anyone in an audition. That's all I'm right. saying. But I don't blame them for trying. And hopefully mm. I was affectionate and supportive enough yes. for them oh, to yeah. understand that I was there to do this scene with them. Oh my god, you were lovely. Um, you absolutely love you, but I just love that I think people just assume that a man can just sweep in and just put you down in a clutch and smack, well, you know, give you a smackaroo. But I, I think men are told that, you know, yeah. or that they should, or that they're not masculine if they don't try. Like, I think there are a lot of punishments and misunderstandings for men in this industry as well. But I, I appreciate your sensitivity to the situation. And have you ever been in situations when it, when it did get uncomfortable or it just was, it just wasn't happening. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's happened to everybody. And unfortunately, when you're younger, you don't know how to say, hey, 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 hey. But I have, I did recently have an experience with an intimacy coach, and I had never experienced that before. And I don't, the guy's great. I'll tell you what happened, because it ends up being kind of funny and awkward. Mm. And I understand what they're do, what they're trying to do in Hollywood. I play Queen Latifah and I are lovers, but we don't have a sex scene. It's mm-hmm. just a where it's morning time with a young fella. We've had a three-way and I, I come in and I kiss her goodbye and I hug him and we walk out. Mm-hmm. But because there was physical intimacy, we had an intimacy coach. Mm-hmm. And what happens is you, you meet with the other actors in the scene, the mm-hmm. intimacy coach, and maybe wardrobe or script supervisor or something. I mean, it's they're aware that there need to be some parameters now around physical closeness. But you basically, the guy says, okay, what are you comfortable with? And you're just sort of, well, I'm Queen Latifah puts my hands on her boobs and then I put her hands on my boobs and then I hug the guy and I'm like, I'm comfortable. So you end up really kind of groping each other Mm. in a trailer for 15 minutes before shooting the scene where you might never even get to that point. Oh, I gotcha. You see what I mean? I appreciate the awareness, but it seems so strange. But I think if I had to do a sex scene with someone, I would really appreciate that. If it was me and a guy and it's, you're trying to hide your nipples or you've yeah. got moleskin on your groin, then I would, it would be great to have that person there. But for lesser scenes, it was, but you know, I, Hey, uh, Queen Latifah and I had a lovely, we were giggling and that's a treasured memory for oh me. Oh my God. That, that would be my, my dream come true would be to hold her breasts. I'll tell you right now. And they're fabulous. Lady. And she's wonderful. <laughs> So, Padgett, yeah. what, Padgett, what, sorry, while we're on the topic of intimacy, something that I read was that 
back in the day, you talking about nude and being comfortable, you received a handwritten request from Hugh Hefner to pose for Playboy. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, it was. I don't think it was handwritten by him. I think it was probably a private right. secretary, but he signed it. But he and the girls were watching a show I was on on Showtime called Huff. Mm. And so he, with Hank Azaria and Oliver Platt and Blaise Danner ah, and yep. Anton Yelchin and the, he and the girls, and it was when they were doing that Playboy Mansion, all the girls three, it was like- The girls next oh, door yeah. or something. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They were shooting that show and they all liked, and I guess it was hard to get three Playboy bunnies and have to agree on a show they all liked, which is, you know, all of our houses. So, <laughs> so they, they liked Huff. And he asked me to pose for Playboy. And I mean, now that I'm older, I wish I had. I could be like, oh, I still look like that. <laughs> yeah, look at me back in the day. Yeah. Didn't do it. Um, yeah, and just one follow up there. And it was sort of a two part question. And the second question was Have any of you listened to the podcast Death of a Starlet about the death of Dorothy Stratton? Dorothy Stratton. It's a Wondery production oh. so Lisa, from Lisa's producers. And I put it on on a long drive in the country. We put it on, I was with my wife and we started to listen and it's from, it's one of those ones where it's sort of partly acted. They've got folio sound. And I started out in the first two or three minutes, I said to my wife, now let's turn this off. And she said, eh, let's give it another 10 minutes. And the longer it went on, the more I liked it. And by the end of the series, Lisa, it was a poster child podcast for just the absolute worst example of coercive control and abuse mm. that ends in murder that you could oh, ever wow. imagine. And yeah. it really made you feel for her. So they did a great job of humanizing her. Mm-hmm. And you just end up so sad at the way that it all ended up. And she spent a lot of time at the mansion and with Hugh, but it was her husband that was the problem. So she had no problem with Hugh or anyone under that. It was just him and him just being this coercively controlling, complete and utter asshole who ended up killing, it was a murder-suicide. But oh it was surprisingly affecting. So if you're yeah. looking for a pod, check it out. Yeah. Listeners, death I, of a starlet. I know the whole story, and I've seen Star 80 was the movie yep. made yep. about her murder. Right. Um, and Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich, they were involved, and then he married her sister. And right. I mean, it's a yeah. fascinating story. But, but sorry, but do you know? Do you know who directed Star Eighty? It wasn't Bogdanovich. He directed her in in another movie, the last mm-hmm. movie, Bob Fosse. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, I did know that. I did know that. I forgot about that, which is fascinating. It's a it's solid the, it's movie. The, all that jazz, you know? Yeah, yeah, Eric Roberts. Yeah, and Mariel. Is it Mariel Hemingway? Ma- yep. uh, Mariel Hemingway, Eric Roberts, yeah. Yep. He directed Cabaret, yeah. Bob Fosse. And it's, talk about a talented guy. So, Saul, you can solve an argument between Brian and I, Paget, or I just want you to, to weigh in on our discussion. <laughs> Brian feels that it's inauthentic when he sees women in a love scene on camera and they have their bras on. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, I always leave my bra on. I don't. You I do mean, not, do yes, you? I do. It's yes. I, I have working breasts that have fed multiple people. <laughs> okay. It's, do, you, it's, do, it's very, do you take your pants off at least? Did the pants come off? Sometimes, no. But that I, area works. If it's a new person and they haven't seen your whole thing yet, and yeah, I keep my bra oh. on. You don't think so? Oh no, 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 definitely no. We're talking about a new person. Yes. Yeah. You're saying yes to a new yes. person. You keep yes to a new person. But it do, you really do need to work with wardrobe and make sure 
it's a sexy thing because sometimes it is sometimes it's only because you have not signed a nudity or toplessness contract so you're gonna be in a bra so then make it work so i'm on both of your sides right for the most part when you're intimate with someone your boobs are out Wow. Exciting. And then people want to play with them. (laughs) And this is my, and the reason why I said that is I think the times that I've seen where that's happened, it's a star who doesn't want to be, this is how I've interpreted. It is a star who doesn't want to be topless in a scene. And you're right. Every time you felt that way, you were correct. Right. And that's where I'm coming from. And I understand Kate Winslet. She is the lead of this thing and she doesn't have to do anything she doesn't want to do. But that's why, as a viewer, when I see that, it, and it's their choice to make, but that person decided they didn't want to be topless for this project. And I think every time you feel that way, your instinct is probably correct. And unfortunately, I have seen that and felt that way too. And I, I want everyone to do whatever they want to do. But if you're going to do that, if wardrobe is going to be involved in an act, like if you're going to wear a scuba suit while you're playing tennis, Make me understand why you're wearing a scuba suit while you're playing tennis. So if you're in a bra, that better be a sexy bra that you want to keep up. Then I get it. Uh-huh. So I, I think I've definitely it- seen sex scenes where it's like, that's a tennis bra. <laughs> and they haven't just come from playing tennis. I don't know why I'm going back to tennis. And listen, conversely, I, would ha- I have the same issue with men who are in a post-sex scene who come out of a bed wearing boxers. Yeah, because yeah. it's the same thing. Yeah, it is. It is the exact same fucking thing. Or either of the participants getting out of the bed, and I don't know anyone that's ever done this, and then dragged the top sheet with them <laughs> and walked off with the top sheet wrapped around them like a toga party. I'm like, when the fuck does that? Have I been doing this wrong for like 20, yeah. 30 years? So Padgett does know a little bit about being on Drunk History, which I was I had never watched Drunk History and I was flipping by like one midnight and I saw you and you were wearing the most incredible fuzzy polar bear jacket I've ever seen. It was beautiful. But tell the guys you really had to be drunk, right? How drunk do you get on that? Uh, No, you, you, you have to be drunk because you're making a network claim. So... They never tell lies. I'm also kind of a teacher's pet. I want to do it right. And if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do. So I would maintain a 0.13 and 0.08 is legally drunk. And it's, you know, you have to pace yourself because you're going to drink for a long time. You you start letting the crew in at 2.33 in the afternoon and you have to start drinking, but you can't pass out. You're going to have to continue to drink and tell this story over and over again until 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Oh my God. I think the only reason why they had me do every season was because I think I have an extraordinary work ethic. I don't even think I'm that great of an actress. (laughs) I think the only reason I get cast in anything is because I'm going to give you fucking everything. Oh my God. And I did it on Drunk History too. And we shot one more season. There's another season of drunk narrations that were never reenacted. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So brilliant. So, so did bad. they, this is the thing I was always curious, did they provide you with source material to read yes. that you would then pull from just your memory? Yeah, no, what, what would happen is it used to be, Derek would call you and be like, what do you want to talk about? And all of us would pitch ideas. Like, I want to talk about Ray Bradbury. I want to talk about that. And he would narrow it down or the, you know, the production staff. And then as the show got more and more successful, they were like, we, we don't have time for this. We don't have time for this shit. 
here are three stories, pick one and memorize it. And you'd be like, okay, and pick a story and then study it and study it and read books and watch movies and, and compile a story. And then you would spend two weeks pitching your story over the phone to your producer. So, and, the, and you, oh. you'd pitch it and the producer would be like, okay, it's got a week second act. We need more dialogue between oh. uh, the and her mother and then take out this part and then you rework it again. And then you call back and you pitch it again. So because they know you're gonna be hammered, you have to be able to tell the story like four or five times wow. because you're gonna f spill your drink or burp or something's <laughs> gonna happen that they have to cut out and they need to get that story because all of the reenactments, I think I shot two, are shot in one day. Wow. So for one day, they have Jack Black and Ben Stiller right. and they're gonna shoot for one day. So, so they need the drunk narration to be tight enough to script their shooting reenactment day. And That's I do remember they sent out a memo, which cracked me up. I support, you know, people can do whatever they want to do as long as they're not hurting anyone else and pot's legal, but when it wasn't legal and it's not for me, they had sent out a memo to people saying, guys, we know you think it's funny. If you smoke pot and drink, it's not funny. <laughs> Just drink. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. It made me laugh so hard. So yeah, yeah. There's there's been a, a funny drunk and a stone person. I don't. I think people were getting stoned and it wasn't working. They had to oh, send God. out a memo. Well, Paget, whether you're drunk, whether you're groping <laughs> Queen Latifah, whether you're capturing psychopaths, you are amazing. Whether you're doing comedy, and I'm not going to ask you that stupid question. What do you prefer, comedy or drama? Because that's the dumbest question. People ask me that all the time. What do I prefer, casting? It doesn't matter. If it's good material, it's good material. And I would cast you in anything, anytime. And it's so good to see your beautiful face and your beautiful hair. And Guys, it's so nice so talking much. to you. Thank you. I'm, I'm so happy to meet you, gentlemen. Nice to meet you. Good, to meet you. Yeah. good talking to you. And nice hopefully to chat. we will see you at a table read sometime. I hope so too. Now, okay, now I leave the Zoom and you guys are going to talk shit about me, right? Absolutely. Okay. Totally. We've been I'm texting leaving. the entire time. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right, honey. Yeah, you've been texting insults about me. <laughs> you guys, cast me in something. I'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. See you, Bye. Bye.